so here's what we're doing. If you're new, you've come at a great uh, time because uh, I'm going to be going over what our church is all about, what our mission statement is. Our, our, we have um, three pillars on which this church is kind of moving forward, and we've entitled the series Momentum because right now in our church history, it has a lot of momentum. Uh, the youth group is growing, people are coming to Christ, chains are being uh, broken in people's lives, people are making next steps to grow with the Lord, they're joining small groups. I mean, we have a lot of momentum going, and so what I wanted to do in the next four weeks is kind of sit back and talk about why we do what we do, who we are, what it's about, and see if there are some stories in the Bible that might point us into the direction that we want to go. So before I get started in the sermon, I just I have two quick announcements, and then I'm going to describe kind of where we get our thought process, and then we're going to go in through our first pillar, and that's reach. But the two announcements are this. March 28th, we have uh, author Paul Richardson coming, and we're going to share the word together up on stage. Uh, Paul wrote a book called A Certain Risk, and um, he's an incredible man of God, uh, uh, totally lives it out. And I love, I love, it's called a certain risk, but it's also living your faith at the edge. And Paul's whole thing is about average, normal Christians like you and I living our faith right at the edge, a faith that actually means something. So he'll, he'll be here March 28th. The other thing I wanted to turn your attention to, we don't have a slide up there, is our um, uh, Good Friday service called Adore. And essentially what we do is we remove all the chairs out of the sanctuary and we have curtains and stuff and it just it's a time of reflection it's from six to nine but it's not three hours long you enter in one way and you kind of go through a maze and uh, we go through the different stations of that remind us of what christ went through it's extremely powerful and it's very well done and so um if you have a someone who doesn't know the lord and you just they they're into easter and they want to go somewhere it's just a great place for you to become connected with what christ went through uh and then um at the very end there'll be a time for you to just reflect so you can take all three hours if you want you can take 15 minutes you could you can sprint through it if you want it doesn't matter but uh however you kind of connect with um with that that'd be great so so why do we do what we do well just real briefly and then we'll get into the sermon at living spring we identify five types of people now i stole this from another church so if you see it at another church, don't walk up to them and go, you got that from my pastor. There's a good chance I got it from them, okay? So, um, but it was really well articulated and, and so I just stole it and I, I'm not ashamed of that. It's from Saddleback. Uh, but the, 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 there, there's five rings of people and we all know people who kind of fall into this group. The first is the community. So Living Spring impacts the community in that we have space right here. And people walk through our parking lot and people drive by and the community is pretty much everyone in our neighborhood. And if you take out your bulletin, you'll see on the back of the bulletin is our mission statement, which is to reach uh, uh, our neighborhood and the surrounding communities with the love of the Father, to restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son and to respond to a move of the Spirit. And so there's our community is just kind of everyone around us. Then Living Spring impacts a crowd. And those are people that we've identified that just kind of use our campus for whatever. Maybe it's the food ministry. Maybe it's escape ministry. Maybe it's when we're playing basketball on Tuesday nights here on campus. It's just the people who um, would kind of just say, yeah, you know, Living Spring, and I've been there, and I know that church. The next one 
is uh, the congregation. And those are people who kind of would call this their church. They don't have to come every week. Maybe they even come once a year on Easter. And yet, they, so if you were to say, hey, do you go to church? Technically, yes. Where? Oh, Living Spring. You know, that, that, that's the congregation. The next is the committed, and that's most of you here, attending uh, every Sunday, uh, maybe giving financially to the work of the ministry that's going on here, but you would consider this your church, you're invested, you might be in a small group, whatever. And then there's the core, and those are the people who are involved very heavily in ministry, involved very heavily financially. This is the ministry, they love this church, they are totally, they get the vision and they want to see it advance and move forward. The kingdom of God, not this church, the kingdom of God through this church. That's, that's the core. And so what happens is when you're a ministry and you've got all these different types of people to reach and to, uh, to build up in Christ, and also how do you do that? And so what we've done is we've broken it down into three separate pillars, each equally important. The first is reach. And that covers the community and the crowd. We want to reach them with the love of the Father. And so we might hold events that don't really talk that much about God or maybe just briefly and you could look at just that and go, what's the problem? And don't they know the word and all this kind of stuff? But that, there's a certain pillar. We want to present the gospel in a clear, concise way that's culturally relevant. The next one is Restore. Once we reach people with the gospel, the word of God now comes in and begins to change their life and addictions begin to go away and, and, and your life changes. You become a better husband, a better wife as you apply the word of God as it's written. So we're not ashamed of the gospel to proclaim it and we want to do it in a way that's culturally relevant and we're not ashamed of the word of God. If it says it, we preach it. And that, that's the restorative process of the Holy Spirit by applying God's word. But then we don't just want to come here and learn God's word because then you just become fat and lazy spiritually and you don't do anything. There's no spiritual exercise, if you will. And so we respond to a work of the Holy Spirit. And respond covers the committed and the core. Now, again, this isn't, like, this isn't like mathematically correct. I mean, sometimes there are people in the community who are responding to a move of God's Holy Spirit before they even know the Lord yet. You know, so, <coughs> excuse me. So, so it, it mixes all in there. But this is generally the idea. And so what we try to do is we, we make decisions that sometimes affect one or the other. And so we might make a decision in order to reach that makes, that makes it look like we're not that interested in, in the response of the word and nothing could be further from the truth. I'll give you an example. We used to have pews in this church, okay? And the pews were very important. Pews are very important. We got rid of them. Because it didn't, it, 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 was, it, was, it made it so that those we wanted to reach didn't feel as comfortable in church. And so it cost us something. It cost us part of our heritage. It cost us part of tradition. It cost us part of that sense of reverence when you walk into a church. It did cost us something, but we did it for a purpose. Okay, and so sometimes we make decisions on one or the other. Sometimes in Restore, I say some things from the pulpit that are hardcore right in your face and we will lose some of those people who go, I knew it, I knew it was all, but we're dead serious about this pillar of Restore. Sometimes we do things when we respond to a move of God's spirit that looks different, okay? Another great example, go, in going from the uh, 
pews to chairs, was Danny Cree, one of our high school girls, held a concert here that most of you wouldn't want to go to, and, uh, and we cleared out all the chairs, and it was loud, and, it was, and the sole purpose of that was to reach. That was the sole purpose, just to, get, just to tell people of the community we're here and to have an effect. Okay? If you look at our youth ministry, our youth ministry has defined these same five circles. And so if you, if you send to, uh, your kid to our youth ministry on Wednesday night, that Wednesday night's more of a crowd congregation thing. So if you send them there and go, you know what, they haven't memorized any Bible, they haven't learned any Greek words or whatever, you're going to be disappointed because that's not what Wednesday night is for. That's Sunday morning. Sunday morning they memorize. Sunday morning they get into the Word. Sunday morning it's much deeper because now we're trying to get to the congregation committed and then when your kid gets into small groups, that's the core, okay? So what we're trying to do is we're trying to affect all five and we're trying to push everyone towards the center. So if you're part of the congregation, you just come here every week and you're just sitting there lazy, I'm gonna push you to be committed, I'm going to push you, come on, what are you doing? How long do you need to be here? What, you, know, what, what, you know, come on, let's do something, okay? And that'll make you uncomfortable, hopefully, and then you'll do something. No, okay, and then uh, if you're committed, I want to press you to the core. I want to say, let's take it to the next level, come on, and, and, and so on. That's who we are, that's what we're about. Now, where do we get this? We're going to go over this very quickly. We didn't do it first service. We get this from Matthew. Reach, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. He went out. He didn't just sit here and wait for people to come. He went out. He was reaching them. He went out through all the towns and villages. Next. He was teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. He was restoring. He was teaching the word. He was preaching, and he was providing for physical needs as well. So he was bringing restoration. Okay, And then finally, respond. When he saw the crowds, he responded. He felt something. He wasn't just there for himself. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, we gotta do something. The spirit of God has affected me. I I can see it, I can feel it. We have to do something. And so he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then he just sent them out. (laughs) It was kind of like, tricked you. I wanted you to pray for it. Now you're gonna be the ones. And so that's where we get this idea of reaching, restoring, responding. We get it through the ministry of Jesus Christ. So this morning, what I want to do uh, is I want to talk about our first one, and that is to reach, to reach. And I'm going to give you your answers. If you look on your bulletin, there's three words, and here they are. Participate, proclaim, and pray. There you go. Have a nice day. I gave you everything. I'm out of here. No, right? Those are the three. Participate, proclaim, and pray. Those are our three, our three things we're going to talk about this morning. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says this. If you can put the slide up there, it would be great. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Now, what is he talking about? Well, Peter's writing to a group of people that heard Jesus say, I'm coming back, and they're getting persecuted, and it's hard, and there's problems. And so they're like, come on, Jesus, what's going on? You said you were going to come back. We're waiting. It's been three months. How long do you need? Well, 2,000 years and counting. But at the time, Peter's writing this to to those people, and he says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Actually, this was many years after Jesus left. As some understand slowness, but he's patient with you. And here's the heart of our Heavenly Father, and this is why we reach here. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 
Why is God, Heavenly Father, holding back the Lord's return? Because he loves us and he's patient and he doesn't want anyone to perish. That's why we reach. It's very important. And so the reason we get this out of, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at kind of Peter's, uh, the way Peter's life kind of flowed. When Peter first came on the scene, fisherman, who knows, he was, he was a Jew, okay, but he was a fisherman, so, you know, they say he had a foul mouth, maybe not, maybe he'd worked on it, you know, over a few years, and he was really getting better, we don't know, but Jesus comes up, and he says, Peter, put down your nets, I'm going to make you holy, that's not what he says, I'm going to find you the best church in the world, so you can sit there week after week and do nothing, that's not what he says, he says, I'm going to make you what, fishers of men, that was Peter's call. If you're in business, Jesus was using Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. Start with the end in mind. That's what he was doing, essentially. It wasn't written then, but Jesus was doing that. He's saying, I'm going to choose you, and guess what? When I'm done with you, you're going to be a fisher of men. That's the end I have in mind for you. And so all this ministry Jesus did and all this teaching and all these things was to prepare Peter for being a fisher of men. And if you've been called by God and if you've been saved, part of that calling is that you will be a fisher of men as well. I wanna, so I wanna show you a story in the Bible and we're gonna go through and hopefully it'll kind of give us some insight into how this idea of reach It's great that it's a living spring pillar, but how does it really play out in my life? And so what happened was, in um, Peter, uh, in Acts chapter 3, in the middle of chapter 3, Jesus is gone, the work has been done on the cross, and all the disciples and everyone's starting to figure out what this is all about. And Jesus didn't come to overthrow Rome. Jesus came to save us from our sin. And so they're starting to really get this, but they don't change anything in their life. They still show up at the temple. They're still Jewish. So in other words, they come to Christ, they come to grips with what's going on, and they just go business as usual. They're part of the culture. They didn't go off into some cave and become monks. They just, they're living life just like they lived before, but something's radically different. They were called to be fishers of men. And so they show up at the temple, and they're walking in, and there's a beggar there. And the beggar says, just like beggars do, maybe he's got a sign that says, Roman vet, you know, help, please, or whatever you've seen on, you know, we'll work for food, or, you know, you know, whatever. Can you help a brother out, is essentially what he says to Peter and John. And so Peter and John walk in, and, and Peter's basically like, look, I don't have any money, I don't have anything that's of value to you, but one thing I have is this burdening of the Holy Spirit to participate in his kingdom. See, Peter comes up to this situation. He's part of the culture. He's part of everything. But he knows about Jesus. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to stir in him. I want you to heal this guy. And so Peter says, I don't have any gold. I don't have any silver. But one thing I have is I want to participate in God's kingdom. And I think the Holy Spirit's telling me to do it in this way. So he says, take up your mat and walk. And so the guy stands up. And Peter had participated in the kingdom of God. He was advancing the kingdom of God by bringing restoration to that guy. And the guy gets, the Bible says he gets up and he walks around and he jumps around and he's praising the Lord. And and guess what happens? All of a sudden, 
the temple that was going fine and culture that was going fine and everything that was going fine gets disrupted by the kingdom because Peter participated in that. And so what happens is some people start, you know, I mean, honestly, wouldn't you go, well, what's that? What's going on? That guy, the guy, was, the Bible says he was 40 years old. They all knew him. They'd all seen him. All of a sudden, he's walking and praising the Lord and jumping around, and they go, man, that's that beggar guy. And a crowd forms. And Peter goes, don't look at me. I didn't do anything. And he begins to tell him about Jesus. Begins to tell him about, hey, he's the guy you killed, remember? Remember Jesus? You killed him? The Bible said, the prophesied that this was going to happen and you did it. And now he begins to proclaim. He's participated in the kingdom and that's all great. And he feels good and the guy feels good and everyone feels good. But then comes the time when Peter has to proclaim. And he ratchets it up a notch. And that's where we find him in, uh, in Acts chapter 4. And I want you to um, kind of get an idea of what's going on. Because Peter starts to proclaim something that's really radical. He essentially gets arrested. Okay? And uh, the Bible says they couldn't hold a trial that night because it was nighttime, which is really awesome because they did that for Jesus, did they not? They held his trial at night, which was illegal. So they decided we're not going to do that this time, and they wait till the next morning. And you know who shows up to that trial? It says in the Bible, Annas, the high priest. Now, I can't, under, I can't overestimate what a big deal this is. The high priest at the time was the only one in all of Israel allowed to enter the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant it was. You see the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Remember when their faces melted off? That's the Ark of the Covenant, okay? And the Bible says you touch it, you die, okay? Annas was allowed in there. And it also says Caiaphas was there. The Bible doesn't say your face would melt. Some of you looking at it. Really? They got that from the Bible? Wow. Yes. Indiana Jones. It's right from Scripture. No, but, okay. So, so this is Annas. It's a big deal. And Caiaphas is there. And he was the high priest when Jesus uh, uh, was put to death. And then it goes on. Some other people were there. Now, you got to understand the Bible. It says, they seized Peter and John. They brought him to jail. He said, they met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. This is in verse 6, chapter 4. And so were Caiaphas. And then they mentioned these two guys, John and Alexander. We don't know who they are, but Luke, who wrote this, when you read this, you'd go, are you kidding me? John and Alexander were there? Wow. We don't know who they are. But if you were reading this, you'd go, Alexander? That dude's bad news. And it goes on. It says, and other men from the high priest's family. So they're all there. And Peter, having participated in the kingdom, opens his mouth, and this is what he says. He actually takes something that Annas had memorized, Caiaphas had memorized, all those people had memorized out of Psalm 118, verse 22. Of course, they didn't have chapter and verse back then, but had they, they would have known exactly that it was Psalm 118, 22. And basically that verse says, the stone which the builders rejected have become the cornerstone or the capstone or the building stone. And if you were Jewish and you, were, you memorized that and you knew that when the Messiah came, somebody was going to reject him, and how stupid could you be to reject the Messiah and those builders, how could they be so ignorant? And Peter takes that and he switches it on him. 
And instead of saying, the stone which the builders rejected, Peter says, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. To Annas, the high priest. He's proclaiming. He's taken the culture and he's taken this thing and he's ratcheted it up a notch. And then he says something that's going to change the world. He says this, and this is why reach is our, our, our pillar. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. It was never a name before, and it hasn't been a name afterwards. See, the reason we have to proclaim is because you don't come to the conclusion of Jesus on your own. You have to be told about Jesus. And Jesus, the word Jesus, becomes kind of the rub, doesn't it? I don't know if you've ever prayed for people or you've been praying or you've been in a group. And you know what? You're okay talking about God. Maybe it comes to the end of the prayer and you go, it's time for in Jesus' name. And you're like, ah, I don't know if I want to. That might be too offensive. And so what, Paul, what Peter's doing is he's going, listen, guys, there's no other name. It used to be a system. It used to be the law. And from then on, you can keep going down the line. I mean, you know, on your own, you might come to a conclusion that there's a God. You might sit out under a tree, have an apple hit you on the head, go, gravity, wow, this, you know, the world's kind of put together and look at the way everything works. And you know what? It just doesn't make sense that this is evolution. And you know what? I, I think there is a God. I believe in God. You might come to that conclusion on your own. And you say, you know what, and he's probably a good God because I feel bad when I see a puppy die and I don't know, there just seems to be a good and a bad and you know what, he's probably a good God. You'll come to that conclusion and you'll probably come to the conclusion that it's good to be good. And you, you know, I, I, there's a good God, I want to be good, I'm going to follow the law, I'm going to follow the Koran, I'm going to have good karma, I'm going to do something really good so that when I come back, I'm not a beetle, I'm a, you know, I'm a, something higher than that. You know, I want to be, you know, wh- whatever. You'll come to all those conclusions, but you will not on your own come to the conclusion about Jesus because he's a historical figure and you have to be told about Jesus. And so Jesus is the whole thing. Now watch what happens. So basically he goes after them and they get ticked and they're like, man, we got to do something about this. Now watch what they notice about Peter and John as Peter and John proclaim the name of Jesus. In Acts 4, 13, it's my, the, if you want to know my favorite verse in the Bible, this is it. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. When you participate in the kingdom and you have that relationship with God, you have that relationship with Jesus Christ who says, Jesus said that I came that you might have life and you have more abundantly. And as you have that abundant life and you begin to participate in the kingdom of God and you begin to proclaim, people take notice, not because you know so many verses, not because you carry your Bible everywhere, not because you don't cuss or whatever, but because when the spirit of God begins to move in you like it did with Cherry, you say, well, let me tell you what happened to me. They'd been with Jesus, and you could tell. 
they'd been with Jesus. This is why we reach. Because we've been with Jesus. We know what it's done in our lives. We know the difference it's made. And we've participated in the kingdom of God. And so we proclaim his name. We don't stop with God. We don't stop with Heavenly Father. We name the name of Jesus because no other name brings salvation. No other name other than the name of Jesus brings salvation. So watch what happens. They get all this. Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, the old high priest, Alexander, whoever he was, but he was a bad guy, and John, and who knows who he was, and the whole priest family, all of them, they get it. And they're going, okay, we know they've been with Jesus, and we got a guy who's been healed. Can't argue with that. So let's not beat him. Let's not do anything. Here's what they say to him. It's so fascinating. It's not up there, so just listen. Then they called them again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You can come to the temple. You can talk about God. You can say how your life is better. You know, uh, you, can, you can do all this kind of stuff. You, you know, be involved. We just, just don't say the word Jesus. And Peter's answer to this is what I want us to really hang on this morning. Because this is the key. Peter's answer to this is the key. And for those of you who maybe you don't even believe in God, you got drugged here by your wife or your husband, and they're like, you know, please come to church with me or whatever, and you think, you know, well, okay, that'll be good. Maybe I can get out of some chores or whatever. You got whatever you want to watch on TiVo and all this kind of stuff. What this is going to help you understand is why can't you just keep it to yourself? Why can't you just, fine, you like Jesus, yes you do, you like Jesus, how about you? Great. You keep it to yourself and I'll keep my atheism to myself and we can go play golf together, okay? This next verse will show you why that's impossible. Why your wife or your husband or your best friend, it it, it just, I just gotta tell you about Jesus. Oh man, okay, so here's the thing. It's amazing. The Bible is so fun. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. Here's what they're saying. what, what What would you do if you were us. I mean, ju- judge for yourself. I mean, what, what would you do? Uh, we've participated in the kingdom. We've been with Jesus. Well, what would you do? If, if I really believe that there's no other name under heaven and earth by which to be saved, and I really believe that's the key to eternity with God and saves us from hell, what would you do? Really? You'd be quiet about it? No, you wouldn't. As a matter of fact, if you're here and you don't even believe in God, if I were you, I'd wonder why I don't talk about it more. If I really believe that. I mean, if I'm in your shoes going, man, why do you keep talking? Why do you keep talking? Oh, that's why you're talking? You should probably step up your game a little bit. There's not much time. That should be your natural thought. Not, why do you do that? Peter's saying, what would you do? See, reach is part of our pillar because we don't have a choice. 
It's who we are. We've been with Jesus. Now watch, this is so, God, this is so phenomenal. So, because I can stop there and every single one of you, if you're a Christian, is going, you're right. <sighs> I'll do better, right? If you're like me. I mean, I can easily look in the mirror all day long and go, you should share your faith more. I mean, that's easy. Anyone can do that. But what Peter says next is so freeing and is so encouraging. Oh, I love it. He says this. For we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. See, what did Cherry say? Cherry said she was nervous because she was afraid that they might ask a question that we didn't know the answer to. Guess what? That's not your job. My job isn't to answer everybody's question. My job is to talk about what I've seen and what I've heard. And when you participate in the gospel, when you participate in the kingdom, all you're proclaiming is what you've seen and what you've heard. Because let me tell you, I promise you, if you participate in the kingdom, you see some things and you hear some things that are worth proclaiming about. And if you don't have anything in your life worth proclaiming about, I'd encourage you to participate in the kingdom. Because if you do, you're going to see some things and you're going to hear some things that are going to rock your world. I was at men's retreat last week and uh, I got done with the first sermon and um, woke all the guys up. And uh, no, uh, I, I got done with the first sermon and uh, this young man comes up to me, Nick, he's 17 years old. And he comes up to me and he says, I, 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 want, I want to believe it's all new to me. My dad's in recovery. We've been visiting this church and I, I'm hearing it and I, I want to believe it. I don't, I don't know what to do. And so what I did was I started in Genesis and I read the entire Bible to him. <laughs> and I pointed out the scarlet thread of redemption and how all through the Bible Jesus is shown and how there's many prophecies and that if you were to fill the state of Texas up with coins three feet high, the chances of you picking the right coin is exactly the number of the chances of all the scriptures coming to pass. And I went through all this stuff and I've quoted scripture that I've memorized and I, I, I told him about, I mean, it was amazing. what I did. No, you know what I told him? This is exactly what I told him. I told him what I've seen and what I've heard. I don't even think I mentioned the Bible to him. I said, Nick, I know exactly how you feel. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen because what you're feeling is the Spirit of God on you. And I've seen that happen before. And I've heard what happens when this happens. I've seen it with my own eyes. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to go to church one day or you're going to be in a service one day and the pastor's going to be preaching and you're going to feel the full weight of God on you and your heart's going to be thumping. You're going to say, I want to change my life. I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life to him. You know why? Because I've seen it and I've heard it. That's all I told him. And so the thing is, it doesn't take any training. Now, 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 like Cherry was talking about, she did throw a few scriptures in there that she'd memorize. I gotta give her some credit for that. But she didn't have to. She didn't have to. Have to. And you know what scripture she used? Oh, man, my God who strengthens what? Me. Whew, I've felt that strength. I've heard it. I've seen it. That's sharing your faith. That's why we have this pillar reach we can't help it. At Living Spring, we've seen it. We've heard it. 
We participate in the kingdom, and we have to proclaim it. We don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. Peter says, what would you do if you were me, Annas? God's told me to do it. I know it's his heart. Remember, he was the one who wrote later. He wishes that none perish but all come to salvation. That was Peter that wrote that. He understood that. He got it. He said, my God wants me to do this. I can't help it. I got to proclaim the name of Jesus under no other name. Is there to wish to be saved? And guess what? I participate in the kingdom and I've seen some things and I've heard some things and that's not private. I'm supposed to proclaim that. Well, guess what, guys? That's scary. Is it not scary for you? It's scary for me. I don't know what it is about the name of Jesus that makes me scared when I'm talking to people. I'll talk to them about God. I'll talk to them about love. I'll talk to them about all this kind of stuff. But when it comes to saying the name Jesus, uh, maybe now's not the right time. You know, I just saw that guy on television that proclaimed the name Jesus, and he wasn't a very good example. And so we get frightened. If you're like me, you get scared. You get nervous. You wonder, what are they going to think? What if, as Cherry said, they ask a question and I don't know the answer? What am I going to do then? So what happens is they let them go. They don't know what to do. You got this guy who's healed. They participated in the kingdom. Something great's happened. Nobody can argue with that. Nobody can argue that they've been with Jesus. They're untrained, uneducated men. And yet they have boldness. What's going on? And so look, let's just erase, erase, let them go. They gave him a stern warning and said, don't even, uh, we don't want to hear Jesus. Anything else but Jesus. So the word of God says that they went back to their people. It actually does say that. They went back to their people. So when you say, I'm just hanging with my people, it came from the Bible, okay? <laughs> so don't think, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, all right? So it goes back, you can read it for yourself. I think it's in verse 28. Uh, or no, it's in uh, Friday. You'll find it yourself because you're going to read your Bible this week. Uh, they go back and, and they go back to their people and they to- tell them everything that happens. And so they decide to pray. You participate in the kingdom of God. You see some things and you hear some things and then you pray because you've got to proclaim it, but it's scary. And so you pray. And here's how they start out their prayer. Um, It's in, uh, yeah, this is so cool. It's in verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Here's how they start off their prayer. Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. See, you start out with the fact that God knows what's going on. God is in control. And what they do is they begin to to quote some scripture in their prayer and they begin to have this aha moment that you know what? Jesus died, he suffered and died and you were in control and at first we were scared but now we can see that this is all working out. You, you would, it, it didn't go that great for Jesus. I don't know if you knew that. Come, come to the, the Good Friday service and you'll kind of see what he went through. And at first that was scary and Jesus didn't really answer the questions very well and it didn't really go well. He couldn't get himself out of it and he was uh, tortured and then he got put on a cross and that's kind of scary and we don't want to do it, sovereign Lord. We realize that and it goes on and it says, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city conspired against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. 
They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. In other words, God, it didn't go that well for Jesus, but you already knew about it. So sovereign God, that God, we're going to pray for something right now. Here's what they pray. It says, now Lord, consider their threats. You're the sovereign God. You saw what happened to Jesus. You ordained it. Now consider their threats. Hey, you know, we need a little help down here. Consider their threats and, and guess, guess what you think they pray. Okay, put yourself in, this, in their shoes, okay? You just met with Annas and Caiaphas. They already put Jesus to death in an unfair trial and you watched it and it wasn't very fun. And so now they've warned you don't mention the name of Jesus, but the problem is you've participated in the kingdom and you've seen some things and you've heard some things and you don't think it's going to be possible. And so you're like, Lord, consider their threats. Now, I want to put some scripture up here so we can kind of wrap our minds around this. Consider their threats and strike down your enemies with holy fire, okay? That, wouldn't that be great? Now that, I'd be like, Lord, look, you know, it'd be cool. Consider their threats. They killed Jesus after all. They got something coming to him. Annas is still there. He's still alive. Everybody's still alive. Alexander, that guy, whoo, everyone knows about Alexander. He's still there. That's not what they pray. Next one. Protect your servants from harm. Why, why not pray that? Wouldn't you pray that? Honestly? I mean, if I went to work and Jean Vier started saying that if I talked about Jesus, she was going to shoot me. I'd be like, hey, Lord, can you save me from Jean Vier? She's our church secretary, right? <laughs> Protect me from harm. There's nothing. We all pray that every week, don't we? Nothing wrong with that. It's not what they pray. Next one. Bless us because we're putting our lives on the line. Hey, come on. You know, if you kill us, the gospel can't go. We're putting our lives on the line. Why don't you show us a little something, something, okay? Next one. Grow our church. That's fair. Okay, we'll take the persecution, but let's kind of get see some numbers add up a little bit here. Let's grow the church. This is important. We got three pillars. Didn't we tell you about it? It's reach, restore, respond. Come on, this is good stuff. It's not what they pray. Next one. How about a nice escalate, eh? Okay. <laughs> little health and wealth thing going. I mean, if I'm going to suffer, a blessing from God, how about a nice escalate? Now, listen, listen, don't, don't miss this. I love this. I could do this all, all morning long. I love this kind of stuff. I, I, the Bible is so fun read your Bible. Read what it doesn't say. Because here's what it does say, and this is so important that you get this. They've just met with Annas and Caiaphas. It's gotten very hostile. They've participated in the kingdom. They've seen some things, and they've heard some things, and they know they, they're not going to be able to, you can't stop them. So here's what they pray. Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. In other words, if we've seen some things and we've heard some things, don't let us get in the way of proclaiming Jesus because there's no other name on heaven and earth in which people can get, be saved. And it's God's will that none perish but all come to salvation. That's what they pray. Give us great boldness when you know okay instead of asking you the question i'm going to answer the question do you know the last time i prayed that prayer 
give me great boldness? It was well over a year ago. It's just not something we pray. We pray for protection and safety and blessing and, you know, the promotion, and that's all fine and good. But when we go before Sovereign Lord, what if our prayer was, God, I've seen some things and I've heard some things and I want to proclaim your word. Can you give me great boldness? Now, watch what happens. This is so fantastic, okay? After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. In other words, God responded to this prayer and he was ticked. No, right? God (laughs) responded to this prayer. Watch what happens. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and guess what happened? It says it right here. They bought a $25 million building (laughs) and they all had their teeth whitened and they entered into the most unbelievable television ministry you've ever seen in your life. I mean, the building shook. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. What happened? Let's see another one. The Pharisees never bothered them again. That's right. Those Pharisees, hmm, it's not what happened. Go ahead. They got the promotion. Thank you, Lord. The building shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and now they're the district manager of the Southern California section. And now they're over more people, and they can have a bigger impact for the kingdom, and they can give more to the church. That's not what happened. Next one. They memorized 47 verses and never lost another theological argument. Next one. The Pharisees spontaneously combusted in the temple. Okay? I don't know. I think it'd be kind of cool. Check this out. You know, we laugh, but guys, I've heard my own prayer life. I've heard myself pray. I've caught myself in the middle of prayers going, Dude, what are you doing? Come on. Grow up. Stop praying for that. The earth ain't gonna shake. You're not gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can do whatever it is you're praying for. Here's, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's what it says. It's amazing. They spoke the word of God boldly they went oh sovereign god we didn't understand what was going on with jesus at the time we thought it was going to be a takeover and it wasn't but now as we read your word we're beginning to see that this kingdom is not of this world that it's an everlasting kingdom we understand that jesus was the key and that he had to suffer and it was by your uh, direction and your sovereignty that this happened and guess what now we're being threatened and so we place it we say give us boldness give us great boldness and God speaks back and shakes their building and fills them with the Holy Spirit and they speak boldly that is why reach is one of our pillars so that this church so that you and I will participate in the kingdom and that we'll see some things and we'll hear some things that are so amazing that we can't help but proclaim it Isn't that amazing? Isn't God good? Isn't it great that all we have to do is proclaim what we see and hear? We don't have to memorize everything. I mean, believe me, I will push you down a a, a rung 
I'll make you memorize, because you have to memorize. Uh, We'll always be pushing you towards the core. But in the meantime, what you've seen and what you've heard, and we pray for great boldness. That's all we do. 